Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. What is happening? Welcome to Working Hours, an oral history podcast about a place called Leeds, a time called now, and an activity called work. Working Hours wants to record 1,000 loiners over the course of this, the most important decade in the history of the human species, and ask them about what they do all day and hear how they feel about it. My name is Simon, and this is all my fault. My mission here is to try to map out what my city, Leeds, a city that has declared a climate emergency, did during humanity's biggest emergency. On working hours, we hear how Loiners have, are, and will be coping with our multiple and expanding crises during their day-to-day working hours. Can we turn things around? We'll find out. To tell this story, I need Loiners. Loiners like you, dear listener. I need people in Leeds or people from Leeds to come on this podcast and just tell me what they do all day and let me record how this affects us. Thank you for listening. What did you want to be when you grew up? So, when I was very, very little, (laughs) apparently I wanted to be either a window cleaner or a hairdresser even Mm. though I've never shown any interest in either of those. (laughs) Um, But apparently it was just because I liked watching my grandma's window cleaner. But then when I was, like, I don't know, five, six or something, I just loved writing. I've always loved writing. Even before I could write, apparently my mum used to sort of write down my stories for me and I would sort of tell her what to write, even if it was complete gobbledygook and yeah I just I always wanted to be a novelist I mm. I sort of got this reputation I remember at primary school in like year five or six as like the school author because I'd write these books like on Microsoft Word and put these rubbishy little clip art images on them and then I'd print them out and like laminate them and bring them into school and my teacher would read them out to the class so that was my brief moment of fame. <laughs> yeah, that kind of continued until I got to uni, really. That was what I wanted to be, a novelist. Did you do English then at uni? or? Um, I did creative writing. You're listening to Series 4, Episode 17, and to my guest, Becky Holderness. This is a Zencaster interview, recorded on the 14th of March, 2023, Becky Holderness is a content writer, copywriter and trainee script editor who's trying to break into her first job in TV. She's worked in a variety of roles over the past few years, including as a sales assistant at the Lego store, a brand voice copywriter and a scripted development assistant. She's currently working as a freelance content writer, writing articles for Welcome to Leeds, a platform that showcases the best of Leeds culture, creativity and communities. Although she loves writing a variety of content, she's been working hard over the past year to find a job in scripted TV. She went to Edinburgh TV Festival as part of The Network in August and was chosen for Screen Yorkshire's Beyond Bronte's and Script Ed trainee programmes last year. Right, let's do this. Episode 97 of Working Hours with Becky Holderness. So so what is it okay. that you're doing now? Yeah, so now I'm kind of in a funny position where I'm sort of between jobs in a way but also working freelance so at this very moment in time doing some like freelance article and blog writing mm-hmm. but I also in my free time write some little screenplays and scripts and my dream really is to be a screenwriter but I'm not there yet so I'm just sort of doing any writing that I can get my hands on and that pays well <laughs> yeah so you've stuck with the writing then yeah, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Like, even if it's not doing the writing, like I've been training to be a script editor. It's just kind of anything that involves, I guess, working with words, if you like, has always yeah. interested me. So, I, I mean, have you thought about plays? You mentioned screenplays. Is it more film that you were interested in? or? Yeah, I... I have written a theatre play and I think that would be really cool as well. It's just sort of, I just really like TV and I'd really Mm. like to write for TV, write a TV series. I feel like screenwriting suits me better because it's more about characters and dialogue. So it kind of, it's like it was always what I was sort of 
meant to do if that, that sounds cheesy but um because uh I just always wrote stories that were like really dialogue heavy mm. yeah yeah like conversation pieces yeah yeah so why why are you still in Leeds why didn't you have you been down to London have you have you moved to London because that's the goal, especially when you're doing writing and tv and film and so on yeah I mean, oh it's such a difficult thing because I see so many jobs that look ideal that pop up in London and I would love to do them, but also I just, I can't really afford to live in London at this point in my life. Um, and if I did, I'd have to live in like a little bed sit or something or like share a flat with 15 people and live in a pokey room. And I, I, I don't know, I've, I've kind of told myself that like, if I don't get where I want to be in like a year's time, then maybe I'll seriously consider London. But mm. I, I just really don't want to. I like I like living up north and well, heck, I'd even go somewhere like like there's a big TV scene in in Cardiff. I'd happily go there. I'd happily go nearly anywhere that isn't London because I just I like having a nice quality of life and I like having my own flat. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's the expense then that's putting you off mostly. Yeah, like I'm not really a city person, but I'd be all right with living in London for like a few years just to sort of get things started. And mm. I think it'd be pretty cool because there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I've i got used to this way of living where I share one bed flat with my boyfriend and we have a little balcony and we don't have to share the fridge with anyone else. And I'm like, I don't know if I could go back to living like a uni student again. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's totally understandable. I mean, I, I was down in London for 10 years, so it is, yeah. it is good. The first year I was there, though, was awful. Um, yeah. I imagine like, once you get a bit more established, because obviously, yeah. I mean, I know London wage doesn't exactly cover accommodation and everything, but mm. I guess once you've started earning it's a bit easier maybe yeah 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 so I should have asked you before we started recording but I, I know you're involved with Leeds 2023 as well I mean the uh, International Festival of Ideas the yeah. International Festival of Ideas what are you involved with there I've just been doing some sort of freelance writing for a company called Chapter 81 and I've been just sort of writing recommendations of places to stay and things to do, places to eat while people are staying in Leeds for the festival, mm. which honestly I've learned a lot about Leeds, even though I've lived here two years. <laughs> I feel like there's so many places that I didn't even know existed. Yeah, it's, yeah, I like just doing this. I mean, I've I've spoken to three authors doing this and mm. I didn't know we had one author in Leeds. So, I mean, I suppose <laughs> it was like, yeah, there's probably one, but I didn't know there was this much of a, a writing scene in Leeds. Yeah, I guess, well, I suppose there's lots of creative courses, like there's Leeds Beckett mm. and there's like the Northern Film School up here. Mm. But I feel like wherever you go, there's always writers. Like when I was living in Lancashire at uni, like Liverpool was like the next city over because I was living in a teeny tiny village in the middle of nowhere. And I set up a writers group in Liverpool and it's so surprising that the amount of people that are interested in writing, even if they've never really done it before. Mm. Um, and all sorts of people from like all sorts of backgrounds. And we have like now a playwright and then we have people who just, I don't know, do a nine to five that's not related to writing and then just come along and bring like a piece of poetry or something. Mm. Yeah, people write a lot of poetry. Um. <laughs> I don't write a lot of poetry, <laughs> but actually, surprisingly, there's only really one person at my writers group that consistently writes poetry. Mm. Maybe I've just not found the poets yet. <laughs> yeah, I I suppose with poems, because you know, if you if you're writing, unless it's a short story, you're going to have to write so much. Poems mm. seem like hmm, I can make that. It can be quite short, and I can keep messing with it. Yeah, I. I definitely would say that, yeah, but um, I don't know. It's been so long since I've written a poem that <laughs> for me, I think it would be a lot harder. Although sometimes, funnily enough, I, I get the really strong urge to write poetry when I'm in a really bad mood <laughs> and it just kind of comes out of me like a little stream of anger. And then I feel better. 
And then I just sort of never look at the poetry again. <laughs> do you keep them though? Um, I do, yeah. I have quite a few from various points in my life. Mm. Um, they're just like a complete mess of scribbles mm. because I was sort of very angry and like channeling all the rage and passion and whatnot into the poetry. Um, yeah. But yeah, I do have them somewhere. It might be something to go back to there. That's the thing, isn't it? Like keep them and then in a few years, maybe even when you're established, you can be like, oh, here's my <laughs> book of poems and then edit them a little bit yeah. before they... Although, to be fair, I think they're, like, way too personal for me to, like, ever share with the world. <laughs> and also potentially targeted at, like, a certain person. Yeah, a bit too <laughs> me So I, I don't know how I'd feel about sharing that with the world. But maybe, maybe if I made it, like, more anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> so before I move on to questions, I just want to get, because you did creative writing, and it sounds mm -hmm. like you starting to do or you have done a fair bit of copywriting i mean yeah. you is it just to be writing do you see a specific difference between copywriting do you think they transfer well like what what um, do you kind of see as the differences there i'd say i think there's definitely a difference generally between copywriting and content writing mm -hmm. i think it also just depends on the client a lot because some people see copywriting as being like oh you need to get SEO keywords in here yep. and it needs to be structured a certain way and it needs to be 1000 words because that ranks better in Google searches and that kind of stuff. I, I get it. And I know that it's important like if you're a business and you're needing to make money, but that kind of stuff just kind of sucks the life out of it a bit for me. Mm. Um, I don't actually mind working around keywords because it's kind of like a little challenge to just sort of get them in as naturally sounding as you can mm. but yeah i'd say copywriting or content writing i'm doing at the moment for chapter 81 that one that stuff's really interesting because it's just it's more about being entertaining and just providing really good amount of information mm. and because and it's like event stuff it's just quite interesting Whereas in the past, I've written for clients like family law firms, which is not something I've ever had any interest in writing about. And don't get me wrong, sometimes you have to do that to make money. But yeah, I worked as a copywriter at a marketing agency for like nine months or so. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, a, it was a really good sort of grounding in everything. And it was also, it's also really good discipline, I think, is copywriting, because even mm -hmm. though I'm not writing screenplays which is what I ideally want to do it's just writing and you have mm. deadlines which are very good for writers because well very much known to procrastinate things <laughs> so I think the good thing about it is it's like oh I have three hours to write this article otherwise it's not profitable so I just sort of have to reach a point where it's like it's good enough proofread it send it out it's done and it's just quite satisfying i think it sort of balances having my own creative projects quite well because mine can just drag on forever and ever and <laughs> it's difficult to decide when they're finished for yourself whereas copywriting is here is the deadline mm. get it done by then it's got to be submitted yeah no i think that's a really good point and as well you know it's not like you're doing your creative writing at night and then not writing anything you know like you're being paid to do what you wanted to do so that helps being in the same the same area and then you know you're you're kind of developing your skills you're developing your knowledge as well while you're like you know, yeah yeah I, I like to think it's all it's all helping because even though my dream is to work in tv i feel like at least i'm sort of practicing being creative and I don't know, all the skills like reaching deadlines and whatnot. Yeah, I'd, I just couldn't see myself working in a job that had sort of no sense of creativity. I think I'd really struggle with that. I, I, I've worked in retail at various points in my life. I mean, first of all, I'm just not cut out for it because I'm definitely more of an introvert and I just get really socially drained by having to talk to people and make conversation all the time, but also... It's just the same, well, not the same thing every day, but, you know, you don't exactly get any yeah. 
freedom of expression, just working as a retail worker and being like, hi, how's your day? How are you doing? Can I help you with anything? <laughs> Not that I'm cynical about it at all. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I totally sympathize with that perspective, but I, there will be people in retail who are like, well, it, it's massively freeing because, you know, I get to be all personality. And, yeah, and well, I think it depends well. on it depends on where you work a lot as well. Yeah. Because I've worked in places where it's very prescribed what you have to say. Like you have to talk to someone when they come in the store within three minutes and you have to ask them an open question, not a yes, no answer question. And it's just like why am I doing this? Like, nobody really cares. They're not going to, nobody responds that much better to me asking, how are you? Or um, compared with, do you need help? <laughs> mm. I think it's one of those, like, for me, it was always, like, when I did sales or anything, it was always that impression of, like, I don't like having to deal with salespeople. You know, it's that sort of thing of, like, I wouldn't like to be treated like this. So you can see that it makes sense to them on their bottom line of, well, if we do more of this, we get more of this. So if we get all the staff yeah. to do this. But it, if it doesn't feel right, you don't feel no. comfortable doing it, do you? No, I feel like if we were just allowed, if it was just generally be friendly with people yeah. and say hello and ask them if they need help but not have it like this is a set time period you need to talk in the material. I, I, I did like talking to people at the store. Like, has so many random <laughs> conversations about anything and everything. And there are like moments where like one time there was this guy in the store who was like in a real panic. And, and this was like <laughs> the one moment in retail that made me feel good about working there. He he like I asked him if he was okay and then he was like no I'm not okay I'm really overwhelmed it's so busy outside I just need to like come in here and take a break and he was like in a complete panic mm. and really not doing well and then I went off and then other people were like Becky you won't talk to anybody but you like will you go and make sure he's okay <laughs> so I just ended up basically giving this guy like a 20 minute therapy session practically where I was like <laughs> trying to, like obviously you can't so I'm no qualified therapist mm. or anything, couldn't solve his problems, but I was like, mm. is there anyone you can talk to? I don't know, maybe you can phone this help service and, you know, get some help with your anxiety and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, but a friendly face and, you know, like a bit of patience goes a long way a lot of the time. So, you know, if you just yeah. needed some quiet and some, like, I just need to feel better, you know, you're offering that reassurance at least, so... Yeah, like I would like the idea of working in a place where I, I don't know, interact with people. I guess just, again, I just don't like the idea of it being forced and all like sales target driven, which I know like you have to do that sometimes because at the end of the day it's work. But mm. I just want to have like a nice chat with someone that comes in the store. Mm. Yeah, me too. That's my whole aim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it's like you know put a podcast out put social media out advertise this do this do that it's like i don't want to i just want to <laughs> chat to people <laughs> yeah see what they're doing and like see what they think and um, yeah people are people are interesting yeah There's so many interesting people in the lego store i mean so many like scary people as well <laughs> people who are really 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 into it yeah or people that get really enraged when the, the set that they want isn't in and then they like take it out on you and you're like chill it's just a load of plastic bricks like calm down <laughs> so i'm gonna go into questions and I, I normally start with covid because it's a good way into mm -hmm. changes that have happened already in the decade um it's a nice way to look at kind of the mental health and work-life balance and also kind of the mm -hmm. amount of work we sort of went through and and the all the other changes went through through covid and the various lockdowns yeah. so if you can think back to sort of where you were work-wise as we went into lockdown like at what point you locked down and then how was that initially was that way more work you know, like cancelling things and getting into mm -hmm. people and checking in, or was it just everything dropped off and you just sat around twiddling your thumbs for <laughs> two years or whatever? What What was the experience? So for me, at the beginning of lockdown, I was actually still at uni. Mm -hmm. um, so I was in second year 
and that just completely <laughs> basically kind of ruined my uni experience mm. from halfway through because obviously we had to go and move home all lectures were online there was no socializing with anyone apart mm. from by video call so i don't know it didn't feel like the work honestly in a way it felt like there was more time for the work because mm. i'm not gonna lie some of the lectures aren't always that useful. <laughs> I don't mean to sound really bad towards my uni, because don't get me wrong, I had a brilliant time overall. But there were like some four-hour lectures where it was like, I really don't know what I'm doing here or what I'm learning. So you could kind of be a bit sneakier with doing work while you were in a lecture. Mm. Um, so it kind of felt like you got more done, really. But then mm. again, it was like, you reached a point where you're like so bored of just sitting in the same four walls. And I think especially as a writer, like you don't really feel, you get a lot of material from like the world around you and just sort of eavesdropping on people's conversations on the train, mm. which I'm very guilty of. But it's like, how are you supposed to get inspiration from just sort of sitting in the same place um, and going for like one walk a day? It was quite hard. But then again, I did also, I did actually write a screenplay during lockdown, which got produced. I think the good thing about that was because everybody was stuck in the same position. It made us all sort of reach out to each other more and mm. people couldn't be like, oh yeah, I'm too busy because they didn't generally have as much on. So I managed to coordinate this project. Well, someone else coordinated it, but I was brought on board. It was like two actors, a director, a producer, and me, the writer. And it was it was a great time. Like, we had so many Zoom calls and everyone was just, like, bouncing ideas off each other. It was great. Like, I wish I could do that kind of thing again because it was really fun. And I sort of wrote the script knowing the actors as well. Like, one of them did actually change because he got a gig somewhere. But, yeah, it was really cool because I got to send drafts in and then have the actors actually read the drafts back to me mm. um and then i could like really listen and watch and see what did and didn't work mm. and then i guess like towards the end of the pandemic or lockdown or whatever i think that was when i did a master's course for all of six weeks and then <laughs> i quit <laughs> because i really didn't enjoy it and um, was that still online at that point then no, it was in person, but it was like we all had to wear masks. Uh, the yep. windows were open. It was blooming freezing because yep. it was September and mm. it was still really cold. So we were just there like shivering in the classroom, socially distancing with masks on. I mean, it wasn't due to that that I didn't enjoy the course. Just didn't enjoy no, but it that, that adds to the dystopian feeling of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was quite scary as well because uh, was, it was like the first time I'd – mixed with such a big group of people in ages and mm. <clears throat> I have a number of underlying health conditions and I was like so scared that I was going to catch something and be like end up in hospital or something but mm. that was fine but yeah it was I left that and then I went to work at the Lego store and, well actually I started working at the Lego store during the Rasters because I was short on money and uh, it was a strange one doing Christmas service with a mask on. But <laughs> funnily enough, I actually found it less draining because I only had to think about moving my eyes. Yeah. So, like, they're always like, oh, smile at everyone. So you can't, like, when you've got your, <laughs> your mouth hidden, you don't have to make as much effort with smiling. So I don't know. I kind of preferred it. <laughs> also, it was so, so weird when I saw my co-workers for the first time without masks on. I had known these people <laughs> for three, four months or something. And then I saw the rest of their faces and I was like, who are these people? Like, <laughs> It's always like you just get an image in your head of what their the mouth and their nose looks like. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, my whole like perception of this person has changed. Yeah. Um, not as to who they are, but as to what they look like. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I had an interview with someone recently and they'd listened to a couple of the shows. And, uh, you know, when you hear a voice, either on radio or whatever, and then you see the person and it never matches. They yeah. never look like they sound. I mean, yeah, I'll say the same as well. I listened to one episode of your podcast and <laughs> you can, I mean, you can never predict how somebody looks. No, no. But you do. 
is the thing. You hear a voice mm. and you like an image sort of conjures in your mind. Like yeah, never defined, but like you have a set idea, I think. It's kind of like this, I don't know, maybe it like stems from the fact that we're just like in the, like in the historic ages, we, we, we'd obviously never just see some, like hear someone's voice without seeing their face. So it's mm. like our mind has to, you know, fill that gap in. Yeah, I, I mean, as well when, so I've written screenplays, not had mm-hmm. anything made, did stuff that I made myself when I was younger. Okay. Um, and when you write, I guess it's the same for you, but if I'm writing characters, I'll have a voice and an image in my brain mm-hmm. and they'll never be what, you know, like if you get casting or whatever, they're never going to be yeah. exactly like that. But then <clears throat> that's part of the development of the character. You know, the actor brings yeah. something, not just the look, but the voice and the expression and so on. And like no, you say, yeah. testing the dialogue and tweaking it when you hear it spoken out loud. Um, yeah, yeah, I feel like for me there's there's actually no more exciting experience than like having somebody act out your words. Mm. Um, I recently had, I, I wrote a comedy sketch and this director I'm in touch with, he produced it for me and it was, it was just so surreal seeing two people I'd never met in my life just acting out my script. Yeah, it was really cool. Mm. Yeah, well, it's that, you know, having an effect on the world, I guess it's kind of like, I wrote that. <laughs> They're saying yeah, that. Yeah, and now it's, it's out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's go. Well, we'll do a bit on the work-life balance and kind of mental healthy mm-hmm. kind of things. Obviously, mental health has become a much, much bigger thing post-COVID. Work-life yeah, balance I think that's so on. one of the good things that's come out of COVID. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I've I've talked to a lot of people on the show who, you know, they, they sort of had a good COVID. You know, I think most of us have found things that we liked about lockdown, mm. and we hated. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was nice that it was quieter, less noisy, less polluted, all of that kind yeah. of stuff. But, you know, it was boring as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, do you, when you write now, do you have an office space? Do you work on the end of your sofa or on the bed or like how, <laughs> do, you, how do you work? Um, so I'm kind of a mixture of working in the flat. I always work at the table. I'm not oh. one of these people that could work on the sofa or the bed because I just, mm. I mean, one, I, I'd just kill my back. But um yeah, I, I work in my flat and then I also, <clears throat> at one point I did have like a co-working subscription to, if you know, Wizzy Workspace. Mm. Um, so I worked there for a while, which is quite nice. Um, just especially nice because like the people on reception would greet you and it felt like I'd spoken to someone that day. Yeah. But yeah, mostly I just sort of coffee shop hop at the moment. I have a friend as well who's a freelance writer. So we kind of almost hold our own co-working sessions so we just like bring our laptops and work together and that's quite nice because we can just have a little bit of an atta and then work and then have a little coffee break and just sort of <laughs> go through the same things because she's like oh my gosh I'm procrastinating like crazy today and I'll be like oh my god me too yeah and I'm like we can do this we can do this <laughs> <laughs> it's beneficial though it helps you know it helps to know that there are other people going through what you're going through absolutely um, yeah and so do you find can you kind of work anywhere at any time are you like i work better in the afternoon and i work into the night or you were like get up early do however many hours best part of the day all that kind of stuff i am definitely not an early morning productive person <laughs> i struggle to get up early i do mean to get up earlier than i do but um yeah, it's not happened yet. I mean, I get enough work done, so it's fine. But I'm more of a, I don't know, I do sometimes get like a quick burst of productivity in the evening. I feel like that's when a lot of ideas come to me mm. that I'll jot down or I just suddenly feel the urge to like write for an hour. Mm. But I'm sort of trying to structure my day a bit more like a nine till five or a 10 till six or whatever, just because then I think it's easier to sort of not blur the boundaries between like work and rest 
because I've been a bit guilty of sort of overworking myself. I think especially when you're like self-employed and Mm -hmm. sort of searching for more work, it's really easy to just feel like you've never done enough, which is definitely something I'm guilty of. And then you just end up overworking yourself and not having any fun. So I'm sort of trying to (laughs) cut myself off and be like, I need to stop working by like six or seven at the very latest. And then Mm. that is my evening time and I need to do nothing productive towards my career and just, you know, eat dinner and watch TV and go for a walk or something. But that, we we can say now that that is productive. It's essential, you know, like the refreshment, the hearing of ideas, the having a break. And, And also, I think it's good to have something that you need to do tomorrow kind of thing because mm. if you if you try and cram everything in and you've done it all in one go and then you wake up the next day and then you're like and then it'll take you ages yeah. to get going again and then you get going and then you're like oh i've got to work and work until i've done this idea and then you know yeah you want to also try and keep you know you don't want to be totally antisocial and just be no, you know, no. like batman or whatever only around at night you know yeah no I think yeah it's still something that I'm sort of working to balance I've not yet got the balance quite right but Mm. yeah I guess all just a trial and error thing isn't it really Mm. I'm sort of a a strong believer in the fact that we're not really designed to sit at desks all day and I am quite a not restless person, but I I don't like to just sit still for hours and hours generally. So I think one thing I like about working in the fly is I do so much stretching. <laughs> like I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that in an office, but I'll just like mm. go and do downward dog or something. Yeah. Or I don't know, uh, go like stare in the distance from my balcony to try and like rest my eyes a bit or something. Mm. Uh, I guess that's what's quite nice about working for yourself is you can just do that thing. But again, you, you know, that again, that's essential for your, your long-term health and so on. I mean, like, it's mm-hmm. very easy to kind of neglect, especially when you're younger. Like, you mentioned your back. I ruined my back from sitting in office chairs for years yeah. um, and not moving around enough, you know. So, yeah, it's 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 essential and it's, it's finding that balance for yourself. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I really hate about work, mm-hmm. like, commute is one of them and the oh, other one's yeah. alarm clocks. I can't tell you how much I hate alarm clocks <laughs> when they go off. So since I've, you know, I've been doing this for however many years now, it's been mm-hmm. so nice just to wake up when you wake up, you know. Yeah. And then no, you yeah, can there's work. like there's nothing worse than a rude awakening, and then you're just like, <laughs> oh, I don't want to get out of bed. And... Well, that's it. it. It's the horror of the alarm clock and the commute that's. I, I think for me, it's like 50% of my hatred of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you get there, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Normally. no. I, I would literally rather walk like 40 minutes to work than get on like a 10-minute train or bus. Mm. Because personally, I just, for me, it's all the waiting around. Like you have to plan, like what if it's late? What if it's early and I miss it? How long does it take me to walk from my flat to the station, then from the station to my work? And it's like, if I can just walk directly from my flat to my place of work, even if it's 40 minutes or whatever, it's just mm. so much easier. Mm. Um, and I just, it's just nice. Like, you don't have to rush as much. You can just sort of get lost in your own thoughts a bit mm. and I guess get some exercise in as well. Mm. Well, you don't have to start the day with stress, do you? Like you say, you know, oh, I've missed this bus or I've got to catch this bus or my alarm, I I slept through my alarm or it went off too early or I woke up before it, which is even more annoying because it's going to be off five minutes and all of that kind of drama. It's like that's before you've even gone into the job. I know, yeah, it didn't really set you up very well for the day, (laughs) does it? (laughs) Right, we'll do the next question. I'm going to save social Mm -hmm. media towards the end. So we'll we'll do Brexit. So Okay. Um, I, I think this will be quite short with you anyway. So it's mm-hmm. about how it affects your work. Well, before I do Brexit, I would just say the quick thing on COVID. Do you think there's been any long-term changes for you from uh, COVID? Mm. Or just your expectations, I guess, of work and compared to how it is to actually work now, maybe? Yeah. I feel like it did... I did struggle to sort of socialise with people more and talk face to face afterwards, which I guess is probably pretty universal. 
Mm. Work-wise, I think it's definitely changed more. There's more hybrid and remote working options, which is nice. Mm. But then again, there's also more just remote options, which I don't like as much. I kind of like that balance of seeing people, but also not having to commute in every day. Mm. Um, So I guess I think just like the way of working has been the biggest change for me, really. Has it sort of, do you think it's opened up work for you in that you can Um, potentially work anywhere in the world from your home? Yeah, I think that is a really good thing, especially because I'm trying to get into TV and I can do things like script reading and researching roles remotely. So that's really good because obviously otherwise it's very London centric. Mm. So yeah, I guess it does. It has opened up some more opportunities in that way. Mm. Have you benefited from that yet, though? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's hard to say because I I don't really know how much of it would have been remote beforehand because I wasn't in that world at that time. Yeah. But I have done some script reading and I did a placement that was mostly remote. And that might not have been as much of a thing before COVID. Mm. So I guess I got that out of it, yeah. Mm. Another thing that I should ask you about Mm -hmm. um, for your copywriting have you used ChatGTP or any AI or anything yet? Like, we can maybe take this out. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, funnily enough, I, well, my boyfriend that we encouraged me to give it a go because he, he really interested in AI and stuff. Um, and he was like, do you think it would write, if you told it an article to write and gave it, like, instructions and told it, like, the tone of voice, do you think it would do it? So we just sort of experimented, and I wrote a lot of articles on pregnancy for Aptimil in my Mm. last job. Um, So I sort of plugged in a title, write an article about the benefits of breastfeeding in a conversational, reassuring and empathetic tone for new mothers. And, oh, my God, it just turned out this thing where it was like, I could have written that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was quite scary. And then also got me thinking, like, are we going to be replaced soon? So part of me was kind of relieved that I'd partly left the world of copywriting because that was a Mm. bit scary. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's not a job anymore now, is it? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, it was weird. I try not to think about it too much, to be honest, and just scare me a little. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I, I want to play with it a bit more, but I think, like, I want to start using it for job applications. I'm like, I yeah, hate well, that's an interesting I'm not going to write yeah. a job application. So it's here, have it, have what here. Here's what you want to hear. Here's what the machine tells you you want to read. Yeah. So, I mean, anything yeah. that makes job applications easier. <laughs> and university applications. Yeah. PhD I mean, one thing about ChatGPT is I like to think that it couldn't write a script because mm. I feel like there's too much to it. Like, you can't really. I tried. We tried doing that with it, and it just kind of wrote a really boring exchange between two characters where it was like, hello, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob, how are you? I am good, thank you. How are you? And I was just like, mm, okay, <laughs> hopefully hopefully my career as a screenwriter is saved. Do you know that what that tells me, though, is that the internet is just full of loads of really bad screenplays. <laughs> That could be true as well. Yeah, just plug some happy valley into it or something. And yeah, yeah, it should be only from produced media. So then that narrows it down. But even then, you know, yeah. people that argue that most of it's dross, or other people that say, well, you know, your big budget ones are dross. I mean, mm. there's always formula in these things, isn't there? Yeah, I do feel like it's one thing about screenwriting that I, I kind of like is that there is a sort of formula to it. I mean. Mm. You have to have creativity and it has to make sense and it's, it's more than just a formula. But mm. I think I like that it has sort of some constraints to it. So we have Brexited in 2021. Um, so <laughs> has it changed your work at all? I mean, I suppose it'd be quite hard for you to notice that change. Yeah, it's not changed my work. I guess it's changed my idea of my future if you like Mm. um i always dreamed of living and working in another country at some point and obviously Mm. that's going to be a lot harder if i want to do that Mm. Um, 
Although I do joke that my boyfriend is an EU citizen, and if I marry him, then at least I get EU citizenship. So <laughs> I have one way out. <laughs> so yeah, it's always good to have another passport. <laughs> so let's do, we've done COVID, let's do climate change. So mm. I asked this question about sort of design and intention. And I asked because Leeds as a city, we've declared a climate emergency. So it's relevant Woo-hoo. to us. Anyway. In your work, is there anything that you can do with regard to adaptation, awareness or mitigation of climate change? Um, Does it come up at all in your work? I guess not really. I mean, I feel like I'm at least not contributing to things as much with paperwork Mm. (laughs) in that I deal with everything digitally. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I've sometimes written articles on like sustainability um, like I wrote for so electric vehicle charger supplier and mm. solar panel installation company. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm pretty, I like to think I'm fairly good at being environmentally friendly compared to, I don't know, most people. I don't mm. want to say, I'm not perfect. People who go to space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't fly every month or whatever. <laughs> or I don't know. I'm quite good at recycling and I make my own packed lunches and all little things like that. I mean, I can't save the world, but, you know, I, I try to do my bit. <laughs> I mean, the, so I've talked with other artists and creatives about sort of putting it in the work. So a big thing mm-hmm. for me is I think, you know, we can't get to a future we can't see. We need to see something before we can be be something. And the people mm-hmm. that can do that are the are the artists and so on. And I think we, you know, we haven't reached that point where we've got proper climate art. Whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the only stuff that we've seen has been, you know, really over the top, or yeah. uh, you know, there's nothing kind of positive or constructive or genuinely critical. So I think that's going to come. I mean, have you? Do you do you write any speculative fiction, or do you write anything mm-hmm. now, like? I mean, for example, I'm thinking you could write about the hottest day, for example, and mm-hmm. just, I don't know, there could be a story within that. But yeah, so I'll let you respond. Uh, I don't know. I've not really, no, I've not really written about it in a like, fictional way. I've only written articles about sustainability. I guess, I don't know, might be selfish of me, but I just, it doesn't really interest me writing about it. I like to keep certain things separate from my work if you like Mm. don't get me wrong I still think it's important and if someone paid me to write about it in a fictional way I would quite happily but at the end of the day I don't have that kind of freedom at this point in my life Mm. Uh, and I guess I've just got so many other topics that interest me personally don't get me wrong, climate change is very important, but my thing at the moment is sort of campaigning for rare diseases and raising awareness around that. So mm-hmm. I I am interested in, I know, helping to improve the, the world, but in different ways, if you like. So we'll do the social media question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is around, like, more and more of us have to do social media for work, whether it's just producing content to advertise ourselves or our brand. Um, yeah and i i got the impression that more and more of it you know it was less less social you know there's mm-hmm. plenty of people that call it anti-social media <laughs> but a lot more work, work orientated than you know we call it social media but it, it is quite work oriented so mm-hmm. do you have to do any social media work for yourself for your own brand or you, your own self-promotion and so on how much time does that take up of your working and is that time well spent you get a good return on investment from that time can you see results you do a thing and then a thing happens for you Um, so I think like over the past few months I've started using social media more for promoting myself mostly like Twitter Instagram LinkedIn Mm -hmm. um honestly I'm not really sure how much success I'm having with it um Mm -hmm. I get quite a bit of engagement especially on LinkedIn, because I know how to use it quite well from work. Mm. Um, but it's not got me, well, I guess it got me this. <laughs> um, so that could be, that's a success. 
what else? I don't know. I guess it's hard to say because people might look at my LinkedIn profile and like for job applications without me even knowing. Mm. Uh, but mm, it does feel like a lot of effort for not a lot of return yeah. on investment most of the time, really. Mm. Mm. I mean, I think it's interesting that you've said, you know, because obviously you've got that copywriting experience and so on. But I think, yeah. you know, for your own self-promotion, it needs to be kind of you need to have that voice that's not corporate but personal but professional mm-hmm. and it's developing that for yourself which is easier to do in LinkedIn because you're in that professional mindset but on something like yeah. Instagram where you're kind of saying I write all these different kinds of things <laughs> you can't sort of create one avatar for that it's quite difficult to do yeah it is a bit difficult promoting myself at the moment because I'm sort of wearing two very different hats Mm. in that I've got my copywriting and content writing freelance business going on and then I've got my I want to get into tv as a development assistant assistant script editor Mm. script secretary part of me as well and then I guess also there's the screenwriting part of me which I'm aware is very unlikely to earn me any money at this point in my life Mm. because getting into screenwriting with no credits is a friggin' nightmare so Mm. I'm under no illusion that I'm gonna get scouted any who knows but you know gotta be realistic about it so it's kind of like I need three different profiles for all these different parts of me I guess to be honest I'm using social media to promote me getting into tv more mm. at the moment because that is ultimately my dream and where i want to be mm. um but then i've also sort of got my website which i'm now putting a bit more of a content writing slant on it or at least i've got a page on that just to sort of try and bring myself in some more customers <laughs> have you done anything where you've because i'm thinking like have you tried radio or have you done anything where you say you've written a screenplay and then you've kind of adapted that to a different format it's like I've, I've done the screenplay that's a feature oh i could turn this into a pilot and then a show and anything like that yeah no i haven't i guess at the moment i'm just sort of trying to get small stuff produced like i have got a couple of scripts that um directors are interested in producing mm. so i'm sort of working on them very slowly because I keep procrastinating and getting overwhelmed (laughs) worrying too much about the quality of it what's new but um yeah I did actually have a rate well I have a radio play on Spotify oh cool um that I got in my first year of uni that's my my first credit (laughs) do you want to plug it or do you want to not plug it (laughs) I'll happily plug it yeah go ahead I feel like I've developed since then, but I'm quite pleased with it. Mm. Um, I do listen to it every now and then and still think like, oh, it's my words. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's definitely something you need to think about going forward. I think I just have almost like too much stuff on at the moment to to take on any new projects that aren't paid <laughs> yeah. or aren't guaranteed paid at the moment yeah. just because I'm like, I'm running out of money as I'm trying to get more copywriting work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's everyone. It's all a question of money, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah, and it's like, where do you put the energy? It's like, should I be putting the energy into producing the work? But if no one's looking at the work, should I be putting the energy into finding people who I can show the work to and go, look, I did this mm-hmm. thing. I can do more things and I can do this thing for you. And I Yeah, want to it's thing. so hard. Like for me at the moment, it's a balance of applying for work and actually doing work. Yeah. And I've sort of got to like balance it out. Like do do a piece, apply for somewhere, do a piece, apply for somewhere. Because it's mm. like I still need more work. But also mm. I need to do a good job for my current client because I yeah. don't want to lose them and I enjoy working with them. Yeah. Well, do you segment your time then? Are you quite sort of like, I'm going to do two hours writing, I'm going to do an hour on social, and then I'm going to do an hour winging people or whatever? Uh, I try to. Try to yes, <laughs> I try to. <laughs> yeah, that is the aim. I don't always stick to it. But, yeah, I I am trying to, I think, less sort of segment my time, more just prioritize tasks because I think I get a bit too caught up on like this should take me three hours yeah it's taken me four oh my god my whole day is ruined so 
I'm just trying to be like, I need to finish this task first and then I'll do go into this task no matter how long the first task takes. Yeah. Because I can be a bit, I don't know, overly strict with myself and then end up being my own worst enemy with timekeeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you thought about, and I'm going to move on to the last two questions in a second, but have you have you thought about any, I, one of the things that I did a lot, I, I, I'd go to various kind of, you know, workshops and things like that, but have you done any, mm-hmm. like, m- mentoring or business coaching or anything like that? Have you thought any of that could be any value to you yet? Or you just, I know what I'm doing, I just need to... Mm-hmm do it <laughs> I, I do actually have a mentor um for mm. getting into tv she works for a company owned by itv mm. um she's been really helpful because getting into tv is incredibly demoralizing and some days mm. i'm like i don't know what the hell i'm doing with my life mm. i feel like giving it up because it's so hard but yeah she's been incredibly helpful I mean, I don't have a mentor for like copywriting and things, but I guess it's yeah. not really a long-term thing for me. So yeah, experiencing it already, so like you're a known quantity yeah. there, and you know how to do it. Yeah, I feel like it's less how to do it; it's more where to get the clients. Mm. Mm. But yeah, the my TV mentor has been incredibly helpful, and I think I've got over like another six months or so so i'll try and get the the most out of it while i can yeah 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 i mean and then it's just useful you know like with the co-working it's useful to have people going through similar things or who have been through it and that you can yeah well my friend gina's incredibly helpful because she's made a big success of her business like over the past year and stuff and clearly i think has established the work-life balance a bit better than i have as yet but yeah, it's just nice to have people, I guess, going through a similar thing mm. or mm. seeing that she's actually, she's making enough money. So it must be possible. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing, seeing that it's possible that it's not just, you know, oh, there's only five people that ever make it and the rest of us are all just wasting our time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So let's go on to the more fun two questions. I think they're more fun anyway. <laughs> um, so if you could change any three things about your work, what would you change? So you can go as practical as you want or as wild as you want, and it can be three or none or however you want to answer it. So up to you. Oh, <laughs> well, I kind of want to say the first thing would just be to have a full-time <laughs> job in TV would <laughs> be the thing I'd change about my work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's what I've been working for towards for like the past nearly year now, and I'm like, if I could wave a magic wand and it would happen, that would be the dream. <laughs> yep. Second thing, if I could change anything, I guess I'd like to see people more. I think I'd like to have the option of like working in an office or working with other people face-to-face. That'd be nice. Mm. Just a bit more hybrid working, I guess, rather than just fully remote. Mm. Uh, third thing. Um, hmm. Just gonna have to think on that a minute. I don't know. I guess I'd just earn more money. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna be brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a it, it's a common one. A lot of it's sort of more money, more time, and time is money. <laughs> mm, actually, yeah. Well, I guess I kind of have the option of working however long I like, but I would like to have like a four day work week someday in the future. That'd be nice. If you were so, if you're going to design the perfect role, mm-hmm. would it be like a kind of staff writer, old school, like a proper career? <laughs> you know, you go to a job, but with a bit of flexibility where you can work better hours and maybe remotely occasionally. Would that kind of be the ideal, or am I misrepresenting it? Yeah, I think so. And in an ideal world, I'd be able to walk to this job. Yeah, and have quite flexible hours. Mm. Uh, Would like, there be a canteen? <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Be, and uh, free snacks as well. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. And a coffee machine on site. Yeah, Skype. and a yoga room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't ask for much. <laughs> <laughs> the 
The final question is the UBI question. So are you familiar with universal basic income? Have you heard of the idea? Um, I did have a little look at what it meant. I think I've kind of got the idea. Yeah. So as I say, normally it's like, it's another way of me asking, what would you do if money was no object? But it's also another way of me asking, like the main reason I've heard of why we can't have a UBI. So people mm -hmm. do economic arguments and stuff. I'm a modern monetary theory kind of person. So I yeah. know we print our own currency. Like we could do this. We have enough money. Uh -huh. uh, we need to detach work from capital because capital doesn't know how to allocate us because it's burning us. So, mm. you know, if people were working less, had more time and so on, that's my, that's my direction of travel with it. But mm. if you had an amount that basically gave you enough to live, you could pay your basic bills and so on, would you still work? And if you would still work, would you still do what you're doing now? And if you were doing what you're doing now, how do you think it would change? Would it be easier to do? Would it be harder to do? Do you think there'd be more competition? Like, uh, It definitely wouldn't change my need to write mm -hmm. um, and my want to have things published and out there. I think I still would like to work in TV, even if I didn't have to. I think I just like having a purpose. I'm not saying that not working does not have a purpose, but just, I don't know, for me, it's important. But I also kind of worry that I think most people think they can be a writer, even if, uh, that sounds really <laughs> judgy of me. No, it's fine. But, um, <laughs> I think so many people have the dream of being a writer that it would yeah. just be, it'd be nearly impossible to get anywhere. Yeah. Or like incredibly competitive. So I think that could be a bit of a problem for me. Do you think um, better stuff or just more dross? More dross. You know, we all have to compete more with each other. Would, it, would it refine us better? Would, like, would I don't know. I think there'd be like, I think it could go either end of the scale. I think mm. there could be more great quality writing, but also more utter dribble. Yeah, it would probably um, be both, wouldn't it? It'd be and both, really. Yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, I think it's like it's surprising the amount of people that want to write. Like, I see all sorts in my writers group, and sometimes it's a bit intimidating. Like, how many people want to write? And I'm like, oh my god, how am I ever going to make it myself already mm. when there's all these people out there that are writing things? Mm. Um, it's like, why didn't I pick a job that was more niche? <laughs> but <laughs> I know the job chose me, I didn't choose it, and all that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, follow your dreams and all that. Like, yeah. that, that's not something that we hear so much anymore. It's, you know, oh, grind, grind, grind. And yeah. And I mean, if I had all the time in the world or more time, I would, I think I'd just love to learn more languages, would be my main thing, mm. and travel places. I speak Spanish and a bit of French mm. um, and a bit of Italian, mm. and I would really love to have more time to dedicate to them. Like I've decided as soon as I have a solid income, I'm getting French lessons because my boyfriend's family are half French. And I want Just to go and live it. in France for six months or a year or whatever. <laughs> I know it's a bit harder now, but it's not going to be that hard, surely. No, it's just all logistics and also yeah, it's extent. hard. I'd have to work fully remote. Um, yeah. And up sticks and leave everyone and... Yeah, no. I would like to at some point. We'll see. We'll see in like five years or something. I want to at some point live in a different country. I'd just like more time to dedicate to my hobbies, really. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't everyone? <laughs> so you don't have some kind of Hemingway drive to kind of, I've got to go and experience this and experience this so that I know more as a writer. You're not sort of yeah. like, I need to travel everywhere and see everything now. You're like, no, I just need to work on my writing and keep writing. I mean, I feel a very strong urge to travel, but I think not necessarily for my writing. Mm. <laughs> just because I like traveling and mm. I love Spain and I, I love staying there. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to say on the, because we've mentioned the kind of coffee shop laptop dream, mm -hmm. uh, which is a very kind of writer stereotype. Yeah. The other writer stereotypes, the sort of get up early in the morning and do however many pages. 
Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, is this other one you that like? I need to lock myself in a cabin in the woods for however many weeks and just do the writing and then mm. come back. I do love the idea of going on a writer's retreat, I have mm. to say. Not necessarily locking myself away from the world, mm. but a change of scenery mm. and time carved out and being in a nice, I don't know, in the countryside mm. or by the beach or something like mm. that. That would That would be my dream, I guess. Then again, you kind of can't force creativity. And I feel almost like I get there and just be so overwhelmed by the fact that I needed to be creative that I might not even end up being. So, yeah, yeah, you can't really <laughs> predict how it would go. You know, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> of course, yeah, that's what being a writer is all about. Like, you can have the perfect circumstances, but um, when inspiration's running dry, you can't yeah. force it. <laughs> just be there in, in some retreat, <laughs> cursing yourself. Like, oh. I made this time, why not I write? Yeah, it almost feels worse being unproductive somewhere like that because you have yeah. no excuses and now you're like, oh my God, I'm the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's not us, it's work. Work's the problem. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, we'll do the plug for your Spotify if you're still yes. up for doing that. Yes. So what's, what's its name? Um, it's called Flatmates, and it's called From Page to Podcast by mm. the PQA Academy. Yeah, it was part of a competition, and it's like there's there's a bunch of them, and then mine's got my name on it, and it's called Flatmates. Cool. Um, it's about a first-year student who I think I kind of unintentionally wrote her as being autistic, but my autistic partner is like, yeah, she seems autistic, so we're going with that. And she just really struggles to sort of she's very overwhelmed by like all the noise and the overwhelm of like socializing and sharing space with other people mm. um and sort of reaches a point where she's like she decides to take very drastic means to resolve things and i'll, I'll leave it at that <laughs> okay all right yeah no that's that's left enough intrigue <laughs> yeah yeah, so again, anything you want to talk about here, but also your social plugs or where can people find you? So, yeah, if you're looking for any content or copywriting, I have experience writing articles, blog posts, uh, working across different social media channels, writing newsletters, web copy for a range of clients. And I have worked with some quite big names like Danone, Evian, Aptamil, mm. uh, I've worked with charities and mental health providers. I'm particularly interested in sort of well-being, physical, mental well-being, health, and also like sustainability and entertainment. So, yep, if you're interested, please do get in touch because I have plenty of space for new clients. And I would also say if anybody is looking for a... Assistant script editor, office assistant, development assistant in scripted TV. I have a lot of experience. I've done quite a few trainee programs over the past year. I was part of the network for Edinburgh TV Festival. I worked with the Hollyoaks scripted team to write an episode of The Soap. I did Screen Yorkshire's Beyond Bronte's production training scheme where I learned all the nuts and bolts of TV production. And I also did Screen Yorkshire's Script Ed pilot programme. So it was a trainee script editor programme where I got a placement working as a scripted development assistant at Lunalander Films in Sheffield. And I am very willing and able to start work and keen to hear from anybody who would like to have a chat about that. <laughs> cool links in the show notes so let's talk idols we've we've mentioned mentors so yeah. who as you've obviously you know starting off from window cleaning and seeing your <laughs> your, your glorious glamorous window cleaner and uh -huh, yeah, yeah. There, funnily enough i'm scared of heights so i've been no good at cleaning the, <laughs> the higher up windows well they've got those long sticks now so you can stay on the ground oh uh, yeah but but in in my apartment i've seen them practically abseiling abseiling out yeah <laughs> No yeah. that. Yeah, who knew that all those climbers would have a whole new bunch of uh, career options? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Windows on. <laughs> yeah, so who are the sort of, who are your kind of 
big inspirations? I mean, they don't have to be massive idols, but who are the sort of people that you you like and kind of, yeah. um, or you think have done something exciting? Don't have to be all time, but just sort yeah. of who are the people that you, or what's been good recently that you're kind of like, that was amazing, I wish I'd written that. Or... Yeah. Well, for me, it's quite easy. My screenwriting idol would definitely be Russell T. Davies. Mm. Um because I grew up watching Doctor Who and watching Doctor Who Confidential and I feel like that was kind of the first time that I realised that people actually write TV. I don't mm. know where I thought it came from before then. But you don't think about it, do you? You don't think there's a job there until someone goes, oh, this is a job. Yeah. And obviously with novels, it's easy. You see someone's name on it yeah. written by yeah. so-and-so. And... and sometimes you get a picture. <laughs> Yeah, a little biography. Uh, but yeah, I used to watch Doctor Who Confidential every single week. Completely mad about Doctor Who, David Tennant era specifically. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I just have such admiration for Russell T. Davis' writing. Like he's such a versatile writer, and he writes characters amazingly. And I feel like yeah, he did such a good job with bringing back Doctor Who. Mm. And yeah, it's just epic and cannot be beaten. Thank you again to Becky for being my guest. You can follow Becky on Instagram at instagram.com forward slash Becky writes scripts or on linkedin.com Becky Holderness. Thanks as always to all my guests and thanks to you Leeds for being my subject. If you're in Leeds or from Leeds, if you are Leeds, then please come on the show. Yes, I am speaking to you. I still need to find over 900 lawyers to interview, so being a guest is a massive help. Remember to like, share, follow and subscribe to Working Hours and please consider supporting Working Hours financially with either a regular or one-off donation of any amount. You can email Working Hours at workinghourspod at western-studios.com. Okay, that's me. Work for peace and plan with kindness. Cheers, ears. Take care out there and be kind to each other leads. Working Hours is produced, recorded, edited and published by Simon Treen for Western Studios Leeds Limited. The music was The Bees from Chopin's Etudes, which is in the public domain and was taken from museopen.org. Follow Western Studios Leeds on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash western underscore studios underscore leads on LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash western hyphen studios. Western Studios Leads will help you realise your podcast for only £25 for an hour of podcast work. Need podcast production, recording, editing, or any podcast admin doing? Need it all doing? Do you want or need a podcast host or co-host for your podcast project? Then get in touch with Western Studios Leads Limited. Email makemypodcast at western-studios.com to get your podcast made. I am available to third sector organisations, small to medium sized businesses and individuals who want to make podcasts or create other digital audio content. Want to make some fundraising case studies? Want to show off your expertise in your field? Want some help creating your show and format or just some support learning to podcast and getting going? Whatever your podcast needs, get in touch with Western Studios Leads. Go to western-studios.com and use the contact page to drop me a message about either working hours or about your own podcast project.